Good morning, everybody, and, and, and welcome um, to our Zoom service again, um, because we're not yet allowed to meet in the church. But uh, it's lovely to know that so many of you are out there joining with us this morning. Um, I have to say to you that if you are expecting to hear John from Open Doors, he won't actually be with us this morning. Unfortunately, he's unwell, but his, his uh, visit, um, whether it's in reality or, or virtually, um, has been rescheduled for uh, the end of January, so we will be able to hear from him. Martin is going to be speaking to us this morning, um, continuing our series in One John. And uh, the, the title is True Confidence. Can I also just say that Edith Eastman's um, uh, Thanksgiving service is here on Wednesday at 2 p.m. I believe there are still a few places left in the church. Um, if you would be interested in attending, could you please call Evelyn in the office um, tomorrow and she would be able to tell you whether or not uh, there are still places available. And um, if you want to be able to attend on Zoom again, contact Evelyn and she will give you the link. I'd just like to read a few verses, uh, thinking that that, that theme of true confidence. Um, this is Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. And Steve and the worship band are now going to lead us in worship. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Let's just pray as we start. Father God, we thank you for your amazing grace. And so, Lord, we just come now to give you thanks and praise. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Power and love 
He's worthy to be praised. Lift up His name with the sound of singing. Lift up His name in all the earth. Lift up your voice and give Him glory. For He is worthy to be praised. For He is worthy to be eternal you are the one who was and is and is to come we thank you that you are the holy God and we do want to lift up our praises to you this morning because you and you alone are worthy of those praises no matter what good human beings might do in the world however much they might be uh, to, to be admired for what they do. There is nothing compared to you. And only you deserve our praise and our adoration. And we thank you that you, the holy God, cares for each one of us. You are our heavenly father. You love us. You care for us. You are there for us eternally you've given your son for us that we might spend eternity with you help us never to take that for granted never to take it lightly lord god we we are speechless in in awe of who you are but also of the fact that you care for us and we thank you for that, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to hear another all-age talk this morning from, from Mark. Oh, thank you. Hi, everyone. In our all-age talk this morning, we're going to be thinking about light. Now, Light's quite useful, isn't it? Because it's quite difficult to see in the dark. And I'm sure we all use light quite a lot. Particularly at this time of year, when it gets dark so early. It can be quite dangerous in the dark as well, can't it? And as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the light of the world and that he came into the world so that we could see clearly in his light and know the truth about how much God loves us. And more than that, if we accept him as our saviour, he actually comes and lives inside us 
So to help us understand that a little bit better, I've asked Bethany to help me. In the Bible, it says that Jesus is the light of the world. So today, Mark and I thought it would be very fun to get some pumpkins and have a go carving them to help explain what that Bible verse means. The first thing I had to do, we had to do, was take the tops off our pumpkins, which I found pretty easy. And I found very, very difficult. As you can see, my knife is stuck. So I had to help. Sometimes in our lives we make mistakes. Like we might say mean words. Or be nasty to our friends. We can get a bit impatient and maybe we don't listen. Sometimes we might be a little bit selfish. Or other people can upset us and that can make us feel a bit yucky inside. Quite like the inside of this pumpkin. But the Bible says Jesus wants to get rid of all of that icky stuff. So, just like we're scooping out all of the icky stuff from the pumpkin, when we say sorry to Jesus, he takes away all of that nastiness and makes us feel clean inside. So, Christians believe that because Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he gives us new life. So now, me and Mark are having some fun carving a shape into our pumpkins. And I wonder if you can guess what that shape is. Well, the shape we're carving is a cross, and that represents the cross that Jesus died on. As you can see, I finished well ahead of Bethany again. I'm getting there, Mark. I'm getting there. <laughs> Come on. It's quite hard. Yeah. At last. As Jesus rose from the dead, he now lives forever. We're going to put some candles inside of our pumpkins and light them so that they shine from the inside out. At the beginning of our video today, we heard the Bible verse that said, Jesus is the light of the world. And we can be that light in the world today. So, we're going to turn the lights out now because Jesus is the light in the darkness. And what's amazing is that we can still shine that love and joy and hope into our world today. Well, thank you very much to, to Mark and to Bethany for, for that. 
We're going to be hearing um, in the, the passage that's read and also from Martin about how we can have confidence in knowing that our prayers to God are heard. And so I would like us to have a time now of intercessory prayer. Um, I know that some of you would have been expecting to be praying for the, the suffering church today, so perhaps you might like to, to do that anyway, um, although we, we haven't been able to hear from John. Um, perhaps you would want to pray for John himself for, for healing um, as he's unwell. There's numerous situations within um, our church family, perhaps within your own family, things perhaps that you've heard on the news and so, um, as I say, we'll have a time of intercessory prayer now. And if you would like to, to unmute yourself to, to pray as the Spirit leads, please do. Father God, we do thank you that we can have confidence that you hear our prayers. And what an amazing privilege that is. And so we bring to you our prayers for, for other people now, for other people in situations, knowing that you hear them. Jesus, we thank you for that uh, reminder in the video that you are the light of the world. And we thank you, Jesus, that as the light of the world, you transform the darkness. And uh, Lord, we, we want to pray for those um, that we know who need that light today, that peace, that healing. Uh, Lord, light brings life, it sustains life, it brings joy, it brings your presence. And so we pray your, the light of your presence, Lord, um, for those who struggle today uh, with health and uh, all kinds of difficult situations. And Lord, on the prayer chain, we learnt uh, just this uh, yesterday, Lord, that uh, Josh Hayes um, is uh, is suffering with uh, with cancer, and so, Lord, we we lift him and the family before you today, and we ask, Lord, that you would shine the light of your presence into the darkness of that situation. Lord, give peace to Josh, to Julie, to Simon, to the wider family. And Lord, I pray that, that as Josh uh, has conversations this week uh, with doctors and with other people, that Lord, you would, uh, you would just give him wisdom and that Lord, next Friday when he has this operation, I pray Lord for your healing. I pray Lord, I dare to pray Father that further chemotherapy or radiotherapy would not be needed, but that the surgery that he has would take away the cancer that's there. Lord, we, we just lift him and the family into your hands now. Just ask, Lord, that you would shine your light into their lives and bring healing and wholeness and peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. What a wonderful book we have in our Holy Bible. From Genesis to the beginning of, to, in the beginning to Revelation at the end, I counted 1,188 chapters. I wondered where the middle would be, so counting 594 chapters, I reached Psalm 118. Now on my first page of Psalm 118, there were 17 verses, so 
but the middle of these verses is verse 8. Now, strange that out of 1,188 chapters, the middle should be Psalm 118, verse 8. Stranger still, it was when I read the verse, it says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Surely this is God's personal message to us and the central part of the Bible. Maybe we ought to say a prayer in his name. Mighty Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Bible, the words of your prophets, the words of Jesus himself, and the teachings of his disciples. Help us to run our lives in accordance with your lessons, and forgive us when we are tempted by the ways of the world we live in. Amen. Lord, we ask you to be with Jaden, Tony and Beryl's granddaughter. We pray, Lord, that you will put her, your healing hands on her as she is in the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Margate. We pray, Lord, that her and her mum will soon be home. We just ask you to be with them both. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for Simon and Julie this morning. Father, thank you for them. Father, just give them your peace. Draw very close to them. Put your loving arms around them. Help them to continue to trust in you and just give them your peace of mind. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we pray for Thanksgiving service uh, and the committal this Wednesday for our dear friend uh, Edith. And Lord, we, we pray that the service would, would honour her life of faithful service. And Lord, I pray that as her life story is told and as the message from Scripture is shared, Lord, that those there that uh, don't yet know you, whether physically here in the building or watching on Zoom, online. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be at work, opening their hearts and eyes and minds and ears to receive the good news of eternal life, that they too would have the confidence and the faith that Edith is now enjoying with you in eternity. So Lord, we just pray your blessing and favour on that service on, on Wednesday. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for, for John and the work that he and the whole Open Doors organization does in, amongst the suffering churches. And we ask for healing for him. Um, we don't know what's, what's ailing him, but we do know that he is 
too unwell to be able to speak to us this morning. And so we ask that you would restore him to full health and strength. And we thank you that um, we, we should be hearing from him later on um, in a few months' time. And Lord, we do thank you for the work, as I say, that goes on amongst the suffering church. We can only try to imagine what it must be like to be in a position where your livelihood, perhaps your education, your life itself is at risk if you stand up and say that you're a Christian. And so we ask for, for strength for, those, for Christians in, in those situations. It, in a way, it almost doesn't seem right to, to ask that they be able to, to stand up because they're being persecuted so, so much. But Lord, it's their desire to continue to profess the name of, of Jesus. And so as we do that, we, as they do that, Lord, we ask that uh, you would honour them, that you would be with them um, in whatever situation they, they face. And Lord, would you give us greater boldness I know when I think of uh, what they face, I, I, I feel ashamed, Lord, of my lack of boldness. And so would you give us the boldness to be able to, to stand up for you in situations here that are far, far easier than, than what they're going through? Lord, may they know your presence with them. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, as I said, Martin's going to be speaking to us this morning, um, continuing the, the series in 1 John. Um, in fact, it's the, the final one um, in 1 John. And so the reading is from 1 John chapter 5, from verse 13 to 21. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that he should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Father, we thank you for your word, as Alan has already prayed this morning. Thank you for, for this, this wonderful book the Bible. And we thank you for Martin. Lord, we, we know that he had 
um, to a certain extent prepared the sermon already, but he wasn't expecting to have to deliver it this morning and only discovered that uh, yesterday evening. So Lord, we, we ask that you would be with him now as he brings us your word. Um, yeah, Lord, we, we just thank you that um, he, he's stepping in and uh, we know that we will hear from you this morning. We ask that you would bless him, bless us, give us the ears that we need to hear and the, the will to put into practice what we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, uh, Alison, and uh, thank you to, uh, to Alan for sharing that verse um, from Psalm 118, uh, verse 8, which says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. And um, it, that prophetically, that spoke to me because it said that actually we're on the right track here this morning, that I'm speaking on true confidence. And if ever there was a verse that that is about confidence and trust in God. There it is in Psalm 118 verse 8. So it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. And I took that verse really as a sign that uh, God wants um, this subject of confidence to be shared this morning. So I'm kind of confident in, uh, in the message because of that uh, Bible verse. Um, we haven't covered all the sections of uh, 1 John, in case you've been uh, wondering. Um, I've tried to give more of an overview uh, in the letter. So we come to the, the final section today, which is all about true confidence. And just in the space of a few verses, John writes, you know, or we know seven times. In other words, he wants us to know what we already know, to be confident and assured in what we already know about Christ. And the reason he does this is because the churches are in the midst of a disheartening struggle. Families, men, women and children who were once close are now experiencing conflict. Old friends are now new enemies. A number of people have left the churches already. There's all sorts of arguments and conflict over false teaching and false prophecy. Now this speaks to us straight away because a number of us may well have experienced um, some disunity or some had our confidence and faith shaken through conflict in church. Um, and so John this morning is writing as a pastor and he's saying, look guys, I know you've been through a tough time. I know that you've lost friends. I know that people have left the church, but you carry on knowing what you know, carry on being assured and confident in your faith. Of course, we may experience being shaken in our faith for all sorts of reasons. Um, it could be more personal reasons than church conflict. It could be personal loss, sickness, um, mental health struggles, loss of a job, and so on. All sorts of things can threaten to shake our faith personally. Um, in the midst of this uh, crisis at the moment that we're still in, it seems that the whole world has been shaken by this pandemic. And it seems that God is speaking to our whole world at this time, seeking to get our attention. And um, 
again, in, in a crisis, it's good to remind ourselves that we can have confidence, not in our circumstances or in man's ability to sort the world out or even in vaccines, dare I say, but we can take confidence in our faith because it's based on Christ alone. We, we should take faith and confidence both for ourselves, but also in our praying for others in the church. And I'll come to that later. So let's have a look at some of the ways that John wants us to have confidence. Well, first of all, John wants us to have confidence in knowing that we have eternal life. Verse 13. This is the reason that John's written the letter. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. John wants Christians like you and me to know that we have eternal life. Um, one of the joys of a Christian funeral, like on Wednesday with Edith, is being able to proclaim those wonderful words, I am the resurrection and the life. And to know that the person who we're committing has gone to be with Christ forever. But eternal life in John's gospel is not just about life forever beyond this life in heaven with Christ, although that's the full extent of it. Eternal life for John means fellowship with God. It means relationship, intimacy with God through faith in Christ, who is the means of our fellowship. He died for our sin and rose again, breaking the power of sin, which is death over us, so that we might have fellowship with life, with God in this life and for eternity. Now, we may not always feel the fellowship and the closeness of our relationship with God. We may not always feel, feel in our emotions that we have confidence in eternal life, but that's not really the point that John is making. We know that we have eternal life, not based on whether we got out of the wrong side of the bed in the morning or whether we feel like it or what our mood is, but we know that we have eternal life because of our faith in Christ who defeated sin and death when he rose from the grave. And so our confidence in eternal life and fellowship with God is based not on how we feel or our mood or our circumstances, but on the rock solid reality that Christ gives us that hope. And if we believe in him, well, whatever we feel, we will inherit eternal life and we do have fellowship with God. Even on those days when we feel further away from him, we still have access to him through Christ. Second, John wants us to have confidence in approaching God in prayer, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, um, next slide, we know that we have what we have asked of him. I don't know whether you've ever got to that position in a relationship, a friendship, or in a marriage relationship, where you, you kind of know how the other person is going to answer. Perhaps on those, uh, you play those Mr. and Mrs. games, and you kind of, you're really good at anticipating how your spouse or even a friend is going to answer. You know them so well, you almost, you can anticipate what they will do or say in a given situation. And that's what um, John is really saying here about Christians who stay close to God and who do his will get to know how to pray in accordance with his will. Because they are close to God, they can anticipate what God's will would be in a situation. And so they know how to pray in accordance with the Father's will. John, in his letter, puts it this way, 15, 7. 
Um, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. In other words, those who are close to God, those who are walking in his will, in fellowship with him, ask what the Father would want to grant. In other words, what is in accordance with his will. And so he gives it. Now, this should astound us. Um, we should never get tired of this as Christians. The fact that the creator and Lord of the entire universe hears our requests, big, small, and medium, and answers them should knock us off our feet. Um, who are we that God should listen to us? And yet he does. We should stop and ponder this privilege more often than we do. Perhaps it would encourage us to pray more. Sometimes we may struggle to believe that God would listen to us. We so regularly fail him and we don't deserve a hearing with the almighty God. But that's the point, isn't it? Our relationship with God is all gift of grace. We don't deserve anything from God, least of all, to have access to him in prayer. And yet we have access, not through our own worthiness, but through Christ who gives us access. Um, let me illustrate. Imagine you get to meet your favorite celebrity in a competition. And you imagine it's just going to be one of those things where the celebrity has a meal with you and is constantly checking their phone for a better, more important appointment. But actually, as a result of sitting down for a meal with your favorite celebrity, the celebrity actually kind of likes you and befriends you. And they give you their mobile number and say, give us a call. Let's, let's hang out again sometime. And you do. You, you call them up and they make time for you you've been granted access, the sort of access that other people don't have to that celebrity. And access like that is a privilege. Now imagine, you can't, you, now imagine that you have access to the most powerful being in the universe. Imagine that he regards you as a member of his family and you can call on him whenever you want. You can ask him the deepest desires of your heart. You have unrestricted access to him night and day knowing that he will always listen. Well, this is what you and I have as Christians. If we believe in the Son of God, we have access to approach God confidently in prayer, and he will hear us always. And with that in mind, John goes on to give us the third reason for having confidence in prayer, which is praying with confidence for Christians caught in sin verse 16 and 17. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. And it carries on, verse 17. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. So we're called to pray for other Christians in the church who commit a sin that does not lead to death. What does that mean? Sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? Strange way to put it all. Well, verse 18 helps us here, where John says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. We've met this idea of continuing to sin um, before, earlier in the letter. What John means is that Christians have, a, have, a, have, have had their setting um, have been reset. Their default setting has been reset, not to a life of disobeying God and rebelling against God, but to a life of obedience. Now, this doesn't mean, of course, that Christians will never sin. 
um, otherwise, why would John in chapter one say, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you from your sins. Rather, the default setting or the bias of the Christian has changed from disobedience and rebellion with God to obedience. We have a different setting. We've been given uh, a new heart, a new desire to obey God and not to ignore him or reject him. So while the Christian will sometimes sin, this goes against the grain of their new character. And when we do sin as Christians, we are to confess our sin and receive forgiveness. But someone who continues to not submit to God and obey his commandments may actually be in danger of sin that leads to death. Now, what does that mean? Well, there's a very specific context in John's letter, isn't it, where there are false teachers and false prophets, and some people have followed them out of the churches, who are clearly denying that God came in Jesus in the flesh. They have denied that Jesus died and rose again in the flesh, and they've denied the very heart and soul and core of the gospel. And when someone um, continues to not believe that God came in the flesh in Jesus Christ and lives in rebellion to God and doesn't submit to that teaching, they're in danger of going further away from God. They're in danger of being separated from God. They're on a trajectory that leads not to life, an eternal life, but to death. In other words, separation from God. And that's what John is saying here, that there are some who have left the church, some false teachers and prophets who are on a trajectory away from God, a trajectory that leads to death. And he's saying, look, church, just in this part of the letter, I'm asking you to focus on praying for those Christians who've fallen into sin and who need to confess and be forgiven. It's not that he's saying never pray for people who've lost their faith or gone away from the faith or all the rest of it. He's not saying, he's just saying that in this part of the letter, I'm just not telling you to pray for those people. I want you to focus on praying for Christians who've fallen into sin. It's just, it's just where his focus lies. So in other words, for us as Christians, we should always be, as a priority, praying for Christians who are struggling. Perhaps they're riddled with doubt or anxiety, or they've gone away from their faith. Um, they've, they've kind of given up on prayer, given up on attending church. But their belief in Jesus as the Son of God remains sound. Well, they need our prayers. God uses our prayers to draw them back into fellowship. However, if someone has left the church and is denying Jesus Christ as the Son of God, then at the moment they're on a trajectory that leads to death. And uh, that's a whole different type of praying. That's to pray that God would break into their lives. But John is really asking us here to prioritize praying for Christians who've gone off the rails and who need to repent and confess their sin and be forgiven. Um, so the next one, uh, John fourth, John wants us to have confidence in God who keeps his children safe. Can we skip on? That's it. Brilliant. Verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm him. Now, the one born of God is Jesus Christ. Um, so John is assuring us here that Jesus protects 
and keeps the children of God from harm by the evil one. Now, we need to know what John means here. The, the evil one still has, because he rules over the, the, the world still, he still has the capacity to tempt Christians. It's not that Christians are exempt from all harm. We know that this simply isn't true. Otherwise, there would be no persecuted Christians around the world. But Satan's power is, is on a leash. He's like, an, he's like a wild animal on a leash. God gives him a certain amount of freedom to, um, within the bounds of his sovereignty to do harm. But there are certain areas where Satan cannot go. And one of them is he cannot snatch the children of God out of God's hands. Um, we sing it in, in Christ alone, um, that he cannot snatch us from, um, he cannot, I think the word is pluck that Stuart Townend uses. We can never be plucked from Jesus' hand by Satan. Um, so although uh, Satan may attack Christians in all sorts of ways, he cannot snatch us from the hand of Jesus. He cannot wrestle us from the grip of Jesus. That's because Christians have been transformed, transferred from the realm of sin and death and darkness into the realm of the kingdom of the Son, Jesus. We are no longer under the power of Satan, but we're under the grip and the power of Jesus. And Satan cannot snatch us from his hand. So Christians no longer belong to the world, which is still under the influence of the devil. Verse 19. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. But Christians have been rescued, delivered from the realm, the control of the evil one. Jesus, the good shepherd, said this about us as Christians, his sheep. He said in John 10, 28, these are really encouraging words from Jesus to us. I give them eternal life and they shall ne never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I am the father and one. So, you may struggle with sin, you may struggle with doubt, you may do battle in your Christian life with all kinds of, uh, of difficult circumstances, but the one thing that Satan can't do is snatch you out of Christ's hand. You are safe for eternity. You are shielded, protected, loved today and for eternity by the good shepherd who knows your name, calls you by name and watches over you. So let's rejoice in that love and protection and security. Lastly, fifthly, John wants us to have confidence in our union with God through Jesus. Um, verse 20, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Um, when we believe in Jesus Christ, he is the way to God. He is the way to eternal life. He is the way to fellowship with God. And by faith in Christ, we are united to God as God's children. We are adopted into the family of God. We are so close to God that we become his children. John in his gospel says this, John 1 verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Um, you know that newborn babies uh, need to feel the love and protection and security of being held and nurtured and fed and loved. Well, in the same way, John wants us to feel secure and loved and protected as children of God. So to sum up, John wants us to enjoy confidence in knowing that we have eternal life. He wants us to be confident in approaching God in prayer. He wants us to be confident in praying for Christians who are struggling and caught in sin. He wants us to be um, confident in God who keeps us safe as his children and confident in our union with God through Jesus, that we are his dearly loved children. And to keep this confidence going, John finishes with a simple word of command. Verse 21. This is how we keep our confidence in God. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Now, I don't know about you, I don't have a whole load of idols sitting around at home on the shelves. But an idol is anything that's man-made, um, where we make God in our own image and submit to him. Um, in other words, it's any <coughs> view or image of God that we have that isn't shaped by the Bible and isn't founded on Jesus Christ. You can only know God and be assured of eternal life and have confidence in God through Jesus, who is the way to the Father. Jesus said, John 14, 6 to 7, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Believing in Jesus means trusting in the Jesus, who is the eternal Son of God, who took on human flesh, who paid for our sin by dying for the penalty of our sin, which is death on the cross, and rose from the dead, defeating the powers of sin, death, and evil. That is the only way that we can know God the Father personally and intimately and have the Holy Spirit living in us is by trusting and believing in the eternal Son of God who took on human flesh in order to bring us into fellowship with God through faith. There is no other way. If we do not believe in God through Jesus the Son, we end up worshipping a God in our own image, a God who is an idol. These days, spirituality is rife all over social media. Um, one of the most um, influential uh, people around, celebrities, um, who advocate spirituality and knowing God through prayer is Russell Brand. I didn't um, think I was going to be quoting from Russell Brand, but I am, forgive me. This comes from his uh, book, Ewok, um, which I know you've all read. But this is Russell Brand on spirituality. He says, when I say God, I mean the absolute consciousness, the unified field from which all matter, non-matter and dark matter and dark energy comes from. I mean, it's a load of baloney, but you can see that what Russell Brand is saying there is God is whoever you want him to be. He means the absolute consciousness. In other words, God is to be found inside of us. We just have to search for God inside us. He's there. He's part of us. And that's what Brand um, says. He says that you can meet with and encounter 
God through any um, prayer means, through any faith or philosophy. You just have to kind of be still. It's a kind of spiritual version of mindfulness. You, you just get to, to relate to God through being still, and you will hear from him and relate to him in the stillness of your being. Well, that's miles away from the God of the Bible, who says the only way you can know the Father is through Jesus, the Son, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And on the subject of prayer, Russell Brand writes this, that prayer is humbly asking God to remove our shortcomings, seeking to improve our conscious contact with God as we've understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Do you notice here that Brand says, God as we have understood him? In other words, we don't need to know God through Jesus or through the Bible. It's just as we understand him. So we can pray out of our understanding his will for us, which, which is completely opposite to what the Bible says, that we can only know God through the Son, and we can only know God's will and pray for that will by knowing God through Jesus the Son. It is, it is idolatry to, to claim, as Brand does, that we can know God outside of Jesus Christ. It's just sheer idolatry. So the reason I share Russell Brand is not to wind you up and, to, and for you to think that I've kind of become a heretic. It's that many, many people in our families and community believe in God. And many are searching for God, but not through Jesus Christ. They, look, they, they, they really do listen to this kind of spirituality where you can find God in any way you like through your own consciousness. And we need to be aware of that. And we need to be constantly pointing people to Jesus, who's the only way to the Father. You know, I guess we should be pleased that people are searching for God and searching uh, for things. That gives us a point of connection with Russell Brand and others. That's good. That's a good thing. But we must point people to Jesus. That's the only, he's the only way to God. And so to have confidence and assurance in God, let us continue to keep ourselves from this kind of idolatry and let us submit to and obey the teachings of Scripture and submit to Jesus as the only way to know the Father. Let's keep God's commands to love Jesus, submit to Jesus, and to love one another. Uh, this morning, I think there's a particular uh, challenge here for those Christians who've drifted into sin, to confess their sin and be forgiven. I think um, it's also an opportunity to pray for other Christians who've drifted into sin, that God would convict them by his spirit and draw them back into relationship. But I think there's also something here for those Christians who are struggling with doubts and uncertainty this morning, that they would put their trust and hope in Jesus, the cornerstone, the foundation. Um, so let, let me pray and lead us in a prayer of response. Jesus, thank you that through your word, you want us to have true confidence. And thank you for your glorious word that gives us confidence in so many ways, confidence in eternal life, confidence in prayer, confidence in being children of God, confidence that we are united to God through Jesus as his dearly loved adopted children. And Lord, keep us from any idolatry and help us to boldly and confidently point people 
who are searching spiritually to God through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray this morning for those who have drifted into sin. Perhaps there's some listening, watching today who know that, they, that you need to confess. Um, or perhaps you want to just take a moment in the quiet to, to pray for, for others who drifted away from their faith. So let's take a moment in the silence just to pray for ourselves or others who've drifted away. Lord, we pray also for those struggling with doubts and uncertainty around their faith. Lord, perhaps life, perhaps life has shaken their faith. And we ask, Father, that you would just strengthen them this morning. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you give them a real confidence, not, not because of their mood or because they feel particularly confident, but a confidence that comes based on trusting in Jesus the cornerstone, the rock, the foundation. So, so Lord, just pour out your peace, your strength, uh, your joy on those who are struggling, that they might have certainty and confidence in Jesus today. In his name we ask. Amen. I would uh, encourage you, we have a prayer team, um, and uh, there are members of the prayer team who would be very happy to pray with if, if you are struggling and would like some some prayer this morning please do uh, text uh, Nigel's number that will come up on the screen in a moment and uh, please please just text through to Nigel and, and just say look I would uh, I would like like some prayer and we'll put you in a breakout room with a member of the prayer team or if you know how to do chat from the bottom of your zoom screen you could just uh, chat with Nigel and uh, ask for prayer that way but do yeah do seek some some support thank you Of God in helpless babe, this gift of love. 
you forgive us when we lose confidence in you? Would you constantly remind us of who you are and what you've done for us and how we can trust you? You are the only being that we can trust. And as Psalm 147 says, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Lord God, may we never forget how much you love us and how wonderful and trustworthy and dependable you are. Amen. Well, as, as Martin said, um, do please contact Nigel um, either through his mobile or on, on the chat if you would like prayer. And uh, I hope you all have a, a, a good week and we'll see you on Zoom again next week, I hope. Thank you.